All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, going to be talking a little about the James Harden contract. Don't have the final details on that, but we maybe have a bit of an inkling of where it's going to be. Maybe look at some moves the Sixers can still make in order to add some more talent as they gear up to try and make a run for a championship next season. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, he is a LB salary cap guru, also does uh, some work for Forbes as well, Mr. Brian Toporek. Brian, first off, what is going on and how have the first couple of weeks now, after things have died down from free agency and the draft, how have they been for you? Uh, I'm just waiting. I just want to know what James Harden's salary is going to be next year. (laughs) I could do a lot with that information. Once we have it, I have some stuff pre-written that I'm like ready to go and share on Liberty Ballers and on Forbes. But until we know that very vital piece of information, I am just in limbo right now. Well, when you when you're looking at the at that Harden contract, and again, Shams reported, you know, over the weekend last Friday, it was basically it's a 15 million dollar pay cut, roughly. We know that he could have opted in for roughly 47 million, um, mm-hmm. in order to which would have been his maximum. He didn't take it. Again, this is according to Spotrack, so not nothing exactly official yet, but from what we're seeing, maybe about 33 million dollars for next season. He has a player option for roughly 35 for the following year, which would be 2023-24. Again, Brian, we don't have all the details yet on on what exactly the terms are of the deal. But when you're looking at what Harden did here, and I remember, it's funny, I saw some people on tweeting over the weekend like, oh, hey, you know, we shouldn't be praising him and and we shouldn't mm. be, you know, but it's like, I look at it. I'm like, yeah, they've obviously been able to add PJ Tucker. They're able to add Melton. They're able to add Daniel House. So they were able to do this because Harden took less. So when you look at the criticism or some people who were calling him out, let's just say for, for how he was handling it, what was your immediate thoughts to that? Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. Like, I get having some hesitation of like, well, maybe they promised just delay the big payday for a year. Like if we get to next summer and Harden looks the exact same as he did this past season and they give him a five-year $270 million max, then yes, I think it will be fair to critique that. But without knowing what his next contract is going to look like, you're absolutely right. They don't get PJ Tucker and Daniel House if he opts in. They were going to be about $5 million from the apron. So they would have only had the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is 6.5 million. So they probably would have gotten house either way because he's taking less on the biannual. But you know, all the reports leading up to free agency where PJ Tucker was getting full non-taxpayer mid-level offers from other teams. Uh, Miami was willing to go up to the full non-bird, which wasn't that much less than a full non-taxpayer mid-level. So P- I mean, PJ Tucker is a sixer because of what James Harden did. So I think, you know, without knowing exactly how much he's going to make, Sean said $15 million pay cut. So you're right, probably somewhere between like 31 and 33 million would be my my final guess. Um, and frankly, that's that number is important, regardless of where it ultimately lands. Because right now, with 16 guys under contract, not counting uh, Michael Foster Jr., not counting Aminu Mohammed, both of whom are on Exhibit 10 deals, I think they're both will probably get waived or put on two-way deals. So they're not going to factor in right now. They've got 16 guys under contract that includes Trevor and queen. It's got 300,000 guaranteed. So they're going to have to waive at least one of them before training camp or trade, you know, do a two for one, whatever. 
Um, but they're 36.4 million below the apron right now, which is the line they absolutely cannot cross at any point this season because they use the non-tax pyramid level and the biannual exception. So Harden can earn no more than 36.4, but if he takes like 32-ish, then that gives them, you know, 4 million of wiggle room below the apron. So that's going to actually enable them to do additional moves during the season if needed. When you're, when you're looking at that, Brian, because I think that's, you know, we heard, hey, potentially they were making a run still at looking at trying to get Eric Gordon, right? The, the veteran yeah. guard from, from the, from the Rockets and our Paul Hudrick, NBA insider, Paul Hudrick. I was joking with him <laughs> about that, but his source is telling him basically um, that's not the case, right? Like uh, yeah. they're, they're not, they're not going to look at, they're not going to look at bring him in, but is there anybody else out there? And again, the Sixers are going to have to make some moves in terms of freeing up roster spots. But when mm. you look at, at other guys who might be available at this point, right? Like you're going to have, um, some older cats like LaMarcus Aldridge. Again, I don't know if he's going to come back, but um, you know, some of these guys that again, you're not going to have to break the bank for, and you're not going to really have to guarantee that they're going to get playing time. But is there somebody remaining out there? Cause again, mostly you got big men that are still on the market. haven't been signed. And I, th I think from what we've seen from guys like Charles Bassey, what we've seen from Paul Reed, that they're likely going to have their own shot at, at kind of having that backup four, backup five minutes. Um, which we know for Joel, you know, typically could be about 15, 16 minutes a night, uh, depending mm -hmm. on the opponent. But when you're looking, when you're looking at that, is there anybody out there in your opinion, Brian, that's still like, okay, you know what, we got a little bit of room here. Let's try and see if we can, if we can bring this guy in. Yeah. I mean, it's tough for me to say in terms of free agents, unless they're planning, like, you know, they gave 300,000 guaranteed to queen, which is not insignificant, but you know, so that makes me think he's at least a legitimate contender for a roster spot. Isaiah Joe is fully non-guaranteed until opening the night. So that, that would be my guess right now. If they don't make any trades, they're either waving Queen or Joe. And I know it's going to upset a lot of Sixers fans to hear that about Joe in particular. Um, but, you know, adding another player in free agency on top of that just means they're going to have to wave two guys. So I, I would be somewhat surprised if they signed anyone else and actually i don't even think they can right now now that i think of it because i think you can only do go up to 20 players they've got two two-way guys 16 guys under contract and two guys on exhibit 10 deals so they would have to waive someone just to sign someone else um in terms of trades i know reggie bullock seems to be a popular name yeah among sister sixers twitter and you know it's easy to work salary wise you do for furcon and matisse for bullock He's got a 5% trade kicker. So that gets him up to about like 10.5 million next year. But you know, the salaries you're adding about an extra million, 1.1 million of salary. But again, this goes back to the Harden point like that. That is why it's really valuable for him to be taking even less than the, the full amount under the apron that the Sixers have, because that could enable whether it's, you know, Cork Maz and Thibault for Bullock or, for like Alec Burks or something like that, an Alec Burks reunion. Um, those types of moves are possible because they have room under the apron, which if he took the full thing, you know, they, they would be really restricted in what they could do. Brian, another guy who, who tweeted about this saying he, you know, he's a Philly guy too, saying he would he would consider siding with with the Sixers is Markeith Morris, right? Been mm -hmm. around for for a very long time now. Um, you look at just you know more than 10 years in the NBA. Uh, was decent last season for, for uh, Miami. Didn't play a ton, but I mean, when he was on the court, averaged 7.6 points, 
three-point shooting has never been his strong suit, 34% for his career. But if you look at somebody like him, and we've talked about having the dogs, right? We want guys yeah. like PJ Tucker. We want, you know, these guys to come in and, and battle. And, and, and Joel Embiid referred to that too after the Sixers were eliminated, that they need some more of that toughness. So again, we don't know how, like, they can't just make it work right now, given their, their current roster situation, how many contracts they have. But is he a guy you might be interested in if you, if you want to take a flyer on a guy like Markeith Morris? I no, no, I don't think so. I mean, my concern is really with any signing any veteran is Doc more than anything else. Like, I think okay, if you yeah. give Doc Rivers a veteran, he's going to play that veteran over. Like, Paul Reed will never see the floor if he signs Marquise Morris. So, I think you have to construct <laughs> your roster. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> like you, you know, Daryl's got to keep in mind. Like. He literally played DeAndre Jordan for a month, despite all of the evidence, both analytics and eye tests, suggesting DeAndre Jordan is not an NBA player anymore. Uh, so if you sign Markeith, you know, if you if you are if you're Daryl Morey and you're hoping to go into the season saying, we want Paul Reed and Charles Bassey to be the main backups for Joel. We want to see what we have in these guys. You know, we also can play PJ Tucker at the five as needed, but we want to see what these two young bigs do. I don't think you sign anyone, you know, maybe you wait until later in the season and sign someone, but I wouldn't go after Morris in particular. I guess the one guy, you know, that it was reported recently that Aaron Baines had mm -hmm. like this major health scare last year and missed all of last season, but he's yep. healthy and working out again. So that would one would be at least interesting since he is more of like the traditional five backup five archetype, but he can hit threes as well. Like Mar Morris doesn't really fill any needs other than catering to Doc's preference for veterans. Yeah, we uh, we we've seen that too. That if if even if the guy's washed, Doc's gonna stick with him. So we don't we do right. not we do not we do not want to see that. Uh, Brian, I want to jump into a couple more things in terms of looking at this Sixer squad right now. Again, we're we're in the thick of the off season. Obviously, just getting into mid July now. Uh, but want to want to talk about some of the things that we're looking at going into next season already. Let's do that after a short break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back. Brian, want to jump into looking at this roster now, right? And again, it's very hard to make these proclamations in, in mid-July because we don't know how things are going to shake out in terms of injuries, in terms of other moves to be made. We'll jump into to some of the stuff in, in terms of DeAndre Ayton maybe being moved to, to the Pacers. But when you look at how this 
squad has now been constructed, right? They needed mm-hmm. depth. I think we all we all saw that in that Miami series made that apparent. You know what I mean? They just didn't have enough NBA level depth on the roster that would be able to at least win you a game or or change things around. Now you got the Tuckers, you got the Meltons, you got the Daniel Houses, guys who again aren't going to per se light up the league. They're not going to score 25 points a night, but they're they're solid NBA guys. They can all shoot. They're all pretty decent defenders, giving the Sixers more options. But when you look at how they're constructed right now, and and we talked about this a little bit before where you got teams like Milwaukee, teams like Boston, who I think are the class of the Eastern Conference still. But where do you put the Sixers when you compare just roster for roster at this point of the offseason? Again, things can change mightily over the next couple of months. We don't know. But when you look at where they're at right now, like do you do you put them in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? Do you kind of put them in that little tier two, like just below the Boston's and the Milwaukee's, maybe the Miami's, you know, depending on how you look at it. Like, where do you have the Sixers right now? Just as they're constructed. Yeah, I think tier, like top of tier two is fair. I think Boston, especially with the Malcolm Brogdon trade, is just clearly the best team in the East right now. And Milwaukee, with Giannis, I mean, he alone puts them in tier one as well. Um, But I, I would take them, I mean, the Nets are their own complete wild card. I can't even like analyze them as a basketball team at this point. They are just who knows who's going to be on that roster uh, yeah. come mid October. But you know, I think I would take the Sixers over Miami right now because frankly, I don't think the gap was that big to begin with last year. I think if Embiid were fully healthy going into that series, they have the Sixers would have had a pretty decent chance of winning that thing outright. Um, I mean, they beat Toronto last year. Toronto added Otto Porter, but I, you know, and Otto Porter played a big role for the Warriors, obviously. Uh, but as you mentioned, Melton, House, and Tucker, um, I'm taking in terms of like impactful offseason additions. Same with like the Bulls didn't make a ton of upgrades. Andre Drummond is there, which is great, but I don't think that's going to really change anything substantially for them in the playoffs. Like Atlanta could be interesting with the DeJounte Murray acquisition um yeah but you know trey young is still going to be a turnstile on defense and the sixers now have maxi and harden to so like Dejounte can be on one of them but he can't mm-hmm. be on both of them at the same time one of trey young's gonna have to guard one of them which uh could be problematic for atlanta so i, I think like third best team in the east right now seems reasonable and we'll see what especially what harden looks like when he comes back we'll see does maxi have another leap in him you know, Thibel, like, did he add a shot? This is like, yeah, can he make a shot? That's the question. (laughs) But it's like his first normal off season since he came in the league. So maybe, maybe all of the weirdness over the last couple of years, you know, some guys might've handled it better than others. So we saw some like creative pick and rolls with Thibel and Harden in particular when like early in Harden's time and then just that completely disappeared. So, you know, a lot will also come down to Doc and the coaching staff. Like now you have an entire off season to prepare for what does life look like? No Ben Simmons. You don't have that uncertainty hanging over the roster. You've got, you know, you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey at least for the next year. And of course, Joel Embiid, you know, for the next five years, how do you build around those three guys? Brian, it's interesting you're you're looking at that too, right? Because we're looking at we're looking at this Sixer squad, as you mentioned. You know, the Celtics also they got Brogdon, they got Danilo Gallinari. You know what I mean? These guys are they can ball. You know what I mean? They're going yeah. to they're going to have an impact on a, a very obviously a, a finalist this season and and 
couple of bounces go their way, they could have beat the Warriors as well. So looking at, at what's going on around the rest of the NBA, right? We're, we've now hearing potentially that DeAndre Ayton could be dealt from the Suns to the Pacers. Again, the Pacers can sign him to an offer sheet. We don't know what's going to happen there. When you look at what's been going on with Ayton, and the Phoenix Suns, obviously a very good team, made the finals a couple of years ago, ended up losing in game seven last year to, to the Mavs in the in the Western Conference semis. But again, they've been the Suns have mostly been the team mentioned when it comes to Kevin Durant. And again, we don't know how that's going to play out either. That's kind of holding everything up. But like, do you think that the, the Pacers are overpaying for DeAndre Ayton? I like DeAndre Ayton a lot. He's a 24-year-old big man, obviously is, is, is pretty skilled, can be one of the focal points of the offense, but does that make the Pacers any better in your opinion? I don't think the point is to make them better or substantially better next year. Like I don't think they're going into this thinking we're going to legitimately contend for a playoff spot, but it's we're rebuilding around Tyrese Halliburton. Now we have Matherin, we have Chris Duarte, who we drafted with a lottery pick last year. Now you add Jalen Smith who played really well in his limited stint there last year. And they just resigned him on a pretty good value deal. Uh, and, and you've got Eaton where, you know, if you've got Smith on this cheap contract for the next two years, Halliburton on this cheap contract for the next two years, your other rookies, like this is the time to do it. This is the time to start splurging on guys. And, you know, how, how often is it that the number one overall pick is available on the open market and isn't a total bust? Like, you know, Anthony Bennett is one thing, but mm -hmm. DeAndre Eaton is really good and got the Suns within two wins of a championship two years ago. So I think from the Suns perspective, based on all the reporting coming out of Phoenix, they just don't think it's worth paying a max contract to a big man who isn't basically Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, which, you know, to each their own. Uh, but I think it's a good gamble for Indiana, especially considering how guard heavy they are. Like that Halliburton and Aiden in particular seem like they could be a fantastic pick and roll pairing for the next couple of years. Yeah, I like Halliburton a lot. I've, I always yeah. was a fan of his game, even when he was in Sacramento. Um, got out of purgatory there now with, now with the Pacers, but I mean, I, I do. I, I love his game. I think he's going to reach a, another level too in the, in the next couple of years. Definitely. I think he'll make a few all-star teams, but if you have the building blocks in place with Aiden and, and him, and as you mentioned, some of those other young guys like Duarte, um, they, they could be a team on the, on the rise in the next few years. But like you mentioned, I, I think the way that organization is being ran, they're trying to build rather than turn into a contender for next season. Uh, a couple more things I wanted to discuss with you, Brian. Obviously, the big story in the NBA remains what the hell is going to happen with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> we don't know at this point. Nothing has, has moved on that front. We're getting you know word from insiders that uh, maybe – the Nets look at bringing Durant back and, and he's, you know, wants to kind of has to play there. He does have four years left on his deal. Kyrie obviously opted in for one more season there at about $36 million. When you look at that Brooklyn Nets situation, how do you think it's ultimately going to play out? Man, it, what a mess. I just, it's unbelievable that they went from KD, Kyrie and Harden on the roster last year at the beginning of last season. So like, maybe we're going to have to rebuild around Ben Simmons now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I Sixers mean, fans love that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're over here just like, well, uh, at least it's not us. Um, it's, I, I mean, based on all of the reporting, it sounds like Kyrie's really only option is the Lakers. Like, you know, the Sixers were linked to him and the Mavericks were linked to him and other reporters have shot those down pretty resoundingly. So how it ends up working, it sounds like it's going to wind up being a three-team deal. 
Uh, Eric Pinkins of BR mentioned the Spurs as a possible, like yeah. they would send Westbrook to the Spurs and the Lakers would send Kyrie um, to the Lakers. And then who knows what additional pieces go. Like I, the Lakers, I think have to give up both of those draft picks if they're getting off of rust and getting Kyrie in the KD stuff. You know, he mentioned Phoenix and Miami as two of his preferred landing spots. We'll see what happens with Aiton if it winds up being a sign and trade or if it's just a straight up signing. Because uh, like losing him for nothing seems really bad if you are trying to oh, yeah. get if you're trying to get Kevin Durant in the fold. You know you're trying to sweeten the package as much as you possibly can for him. Uh, so I'm sure that might be some of the negotiations going on between Phoenix and Indiana right now. Maybe that's why uh, Indiana hasn't actually just signed him to an offer sheet outright, or at least one of the reasons. Uh, I don't really get. I mean, I know like Toronto fans are pretty at least they seem to be like warring with themselves every day about whether they would actually make the trade. But like, I think Toronto can put together a pretty compelling offer. I also like, I know a lot of these teams have said like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get in on it, but like, we're not going to trade Brandon Ingram. If you're the Pelicans, it's like, why, why are we not yeah, trading Brandon Ingram for Kevin? Like the Pelicans could put together a really good package based on what they got picks wise, at least from the Lakers for AD and from the Bucks. Uh, for Drew Holiday. So like if that's if the Nets are open to a picks heavy package, I think the Pelicans are like looming as the legitimate dark horse here because you can put together all of those picks plus BI plus you know whether it's I I, I hesitate to even say Herb Jones because I know Pelicans fans love him, but like if it is BI Herb Jones and a, the four or five picks that you're not even going to miss because you have all of your own as well to get Kevin Durant. Like, I don't know. That, that seems, it seems like something they should at least consider. Well, I, I, I'm with you too. Right. And I think that you look at like, I Brandon Ingram, very good young player, obviously has, has taken a bit of a leap since he was traded, you know, in the Anthony Davis deal to, to new Orleans. And he's kind of stepped up, played very well towards the end of the regular season, looked good in the playoffs against, against Phoenix. But again, you're getting Kevin friggin' Durant. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. understand what the, what the hesitation is. Um, one last one for you, Brian, cause you're, you're mentioning Durant, you're mentioning, obviously these are teams that are, in the Sixers division in terms of the Raptors Nets um, looking at Scotty Barnes, right? Mm. Obviously one rookie of the year. I like his game a lot too, uh, going to grow a ton. And again, has the potential to be a multiple all multiple time all-star in this league. Why would the Raptors hesitate to include him? Like if you were Masai Ujiri at this point, would that be a non-starter for you in order to try and get KD? I think if anything, Masai should be the one who is more willing to take that gamble because he did it with, Kawhi a couple of years ago and look how that turned out. Yeah. I, I can understand it just from an, uh, like a salary perspective because Scotty is just not earning that much money. So just to put together enough money to get KD, you have to do Scotty plus OG plus Gary Trent, I think. Yeah. Whereas, you know, or like Scotty and Siakam. Um, so I, I think from like a salary matching perspective, it's just like, he is one of the main trade chips, but then you're also having to give away other really like legitimate assets in terms of players. Yeah. If they could swing that deal where it's like Scotty, let's say it's Scotty, Gary Trent, and you know Thaddeus Young instead, and then however many picks they need to send as well, and you're able to keep uh, OG, you're able to keep Fred Van Vliet, you're able to keep Siakam, I, I would do that deal. That's I understand. Yeah, like I understand Scotty is going to be really, really good, but 
Is he going to be a top 10 player of all time? Because that's what you're potentially <laughs> you're passing up on. Yeah. And he got four years of control with Durant too, right? And I don't right. think his game, I don't think Durant's game is going to age terribly, right? You know what I mean? He, mm -hmm. uh, he obviously he's very athletic. Um, but he doesn't rely too much on strength or dominating. You know, he could, he's still, he's still going to be seven foot tall, still going to be able to shoot over guys who are guarding him. So I, I think to me at this point, like you mentioned, whether it's a BI, whether it's a Scotty Barnes, like I, I again, I'm not an NBA GM, although I, if anybody ever wants to hire me to do that, I'll, I'll take it on no problem. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't think, uh, uh, I, I don't think I would hesitate, like you mentioned, to get a top 10 player of all time. Brian, we'll wrap up on this as we're recording this podcast, doing it on a Monday afternoon. Uh, Woj tweeting out NBA Board of Governors basically going to have the play-in tournament as a regular occurrence year in and year out. What are your thoughts on the play-in tournament yourself, Brian? I love it. I mean, you love it. Yeah. Knock on wood. The Sixers have not been involved and hopefully will not be involved for another couple of years, but I do think it's helped make those, you know, the late March, early April games a lot more competitive and more interesting. Um, I, I do think it's had a an impact on the trade market, whether you think it's good or bad. You know, more teams are trying to at least sneak into the play-in tournament, so there are fewer clear sellers and more more buyers. We saw it with the Pelicans last year in particular. Um, but overall, I think it's a healthy thing for the league. Like if they are. You, know, you you have to try to make teams care about the regular season as well and not only about the playoffs or like try to prevent you know 10 teams from tanking at the same time because the, the last thing the league wants is another process sixers so i think it's been a, a healthy thing overall i think the actual play in tournament is fun as hell and you know we we, we haven't seen a major upset yet in terms of like a team that sneaks into the play-in tournament then knocking off a one or a two seed but Probably only a matter of time before it does. I see. Okay, here's my thing. I like the playing tournament, but I don't. I think the seventh seed should still get in, and I think it should be mm. like a nine versus ten, and the winner takes on the eight. Because I, I believe, from when I was looking at it, and I, I tweeted about this earlier too, like back in like March, April, when this was when it was all going on, most of the games end up being blowouts, right? Like mm -hmm. the the playing mm -hmm. tournament games have been a twenty point difference. Like I don't really care to see a ten seed um, to try and go for it, or at least go seven eight and nine and you got a three-team tournament there because 10 teams to me is a little bit too much you know what i mean to get into the into the the postseason like a team like the spurs or you know we've seen the wizards do it like yeah they're gonna get the crap kicked out of them why do we want to watch this you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, i'm with you in there and like thinking there should be i think when they implemented it it was the bubble was the first year yeah and yeah. there was like a cutoff in terms of you have to be x games within the next closest team like minnesota was the seventh seed at 46 and 36. And if what the Spurs at 34 and 48 knocked them out because, you know, I mean, we saw it with the Clippers, like it was PG got COVID if I remember correctly and yeah. missed their game. Missed and that's, game, yeah. yeah, that, that is what kicked them out. But like, if that happened with the Timberwolves, you know, like if Carl Anthony Towns rolled his ankle in the seven, eight game and they missed that, like, so I'm with you in thinking there should be at least like some, some more protection if a team is literally 12 games ahead of the other one. So you don't completely ruin like what, you know, a, a, an 82 game regular season sample size should be a factor here as well. It shouldn't like be become meaningless based on a one or two game. Thing. Yeah, like, you, like, like you said, I mean, I, the Spurs, again, cute story, obviously Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best, depending on where you, where you stand on that. But again, 34 and 48, you, you 12 games behind, 
the seventh the seventh place team and you get a chance to beat like that to me just makes no it just makes no damn sense but again the league wants to make money and change things up so adam silver keep doing your thing right <laughs> exactly as long <laughs> hey if the cap keeps going up it's only going to help the sixers yeah yeah we'll be we'll be happy to see it uh all right brian let's uh let's wrap things up here i want to thank you for joining me always great to get your insight what's going on obviously with the with the salary cap stuff and just sixers talk in general of course thanks for having me anytime all right, that's Brian Toporek. You can check him out on Liberty Ballers. Also does some work for Forbes as well, uh, mainly covering the Sixers. But again, a great follow for, for general NBA talk as well. That'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out Brian, Paul Hudrick, Steve Lippman, Sean Kennedy, a bunch of talented writers, Dave Early at libertyballers.com. i uh, got a new show actually debuting on Tuesday. Adio and Dave going to be doing a look at the Sixers multiverse. And they're going to look at some of the things that happened before that Maybe if they didn't and things went differently, what would have happened with the Sixers? Their first topic they're going to cover is the Markel Fultz pick. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to have those be coming out once a week over the next month or so here. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode doing this. And Paul is in the hot seat on Thursday. So again, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. That'll do it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next time.